0: Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today.
1: Time now for The Danny Max Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN.
0: Valdez ready and the first
1: pitch to Duval is swinging a fly ball high in the air, deep right field, Bradley back, gone! An opposite field grand slam for Adam Duval and Atlanta is rolling early up 4 nothing. The 3-2 to the real Freddie Freeman is swung on and hit to right center field and you can forget about it! Wow, what a blast by Freddie Freeman! And the Braves have the lead back. It's 5-4. And he floats one into left center. That will get down.
0: Score one and score two. The ball hits Maldonado, but Marwin Gonzalez has delivered. And the Astros have their first lead of the night. It's 7-5.
1: All right, so we do have a game number six, even after the initial jolt hit by uh, the Braves in a grand slam that put them up four to nothing when they're up three games to one in the World Series, and I thought, BK, that would be it. That was uh, BK. I'm Danny Mack, Monday edition of the show. Hopefully everybody had a great uh, holiday and uh Halloween I should say Uh, yesterday is we all regroup on this Monday (laughs) morning Barry Bloom is going to be our guest does a great job on the business side I couldn't think of who we had coming up and they asked me and I said oh special guest so Barry Bloom is coming up he is indeed special yeah he does an awesome job on the uh, business side of sports especially baseball but uh, I don't know about you but I, I thought when they and I figure I'm like everybody else they hit that grand slam man they're off and running they're gonna win this game I really did
0: Yeah I mean I, I don't know how you couldn't at that point in time It felt like this is the Braves night And it's going to be over This is the way that it ends yeah. And I heard it last night on the broadcast I couldn't believe it was true It would have been the first time since 2013 That the home team had clinched at home Yeah, And so it was going to be kind of a cool scene Something that we haven't been able to see very often In recent years Of the the team that felt Almost like a team of destiny in a lot of ways Was able to do it in front of their home, home fans and then the Astros had other ideas, and the rest of the game was dominated by was, Houston.
1: You know, really interesting games, too, over the weekend. Different type games, because Friday, Atlanta wins 2-0. You had the near no-hitter, and a lot of people talking about, do you take a starter out uh, with the no-hitter going on? And it's something that we talk about all the time now in this year of the no-hitter. Um Do you take that starter out and kind of play the analytics game, which tells you don't let them face a third time through – or uh, you have this type of situation, the numbers say to do this, do you do it? Well, they did it, they pulled them, and it worked. So they won that game. Then Saturday. And Dan, by
0: the way, as a little bit of a follow up on that, it's not just the analytics game. When your guy is only throwing 50% strikes and he's hit two batters sure. and he's walked four, like. It's the eye <laughs> I do, test game, too. I do think that kind of changes things. I know this became another analytics war, but. Man, you could watch the game and you could see, hey, Anderson's wildly effective right now. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's working and he's getting guys out. But this is not sustainable. And if they keep him in here and at the time, I think it was a one nothing game. Yeah, you got to pull him at that point in time. And he wasn't going to be able
1: to go the distance anyways. He was already at 76 pitches through five. Yeah. So they made the move and it worked out. Yeah, it was the right move. So Saturday, Atlanta wins again. Three to two, took the lead. Back to back home runs late in the bottom of the seventh, including Jorge Soler, who's batting lead off, by the way, for the Atlanta Braves, which is I think interesting just to see how some of the teams like uh, are using Kyle Schwarber at the top of the lineup or Anthony Rizzo or, in this case, Jorge Soler. And then uh, last night, 9-5, to five, the comeback from being down 4 to nothing in the first 5-4 after 3, and all of a sudden, uh, we have a game number 6 going back to Houston. Tim Kirchin of ESPN, he's on the scene. So which way does this series go?
2: I picked the Astros in 7 to start this series, but now the pitching matchups favor the Braves and yet the pitching matchups have favored all the teams that have lost, seemingly, in this postseason. So I'm not sure what to do here. All I know is we're set up maybe for two more great games in this series.
1: They've been entertaining games, and I'm with Tim, and I said this in the crossover. I believe that Atlanta, because of guys that have a little bit more rest, they're set up. But the way that this thing is gone, um, I, I don't... I don't really favor one team over the other. I mean, I I guess you could say, okay, the Atlanta Braves have a couple of guys that have more rest and they could give you a little bit more in the way that Brian Snicker managed last night, allows him to save those guys for game six and seven. So uh, lose the battle, so to speak, but win the war and Dusty Baker has some decisions here. Like Rikiti, do you want to bring him back in and, and give him some innings or maybe start him in game six? Or do you say, let's give him a little rest, you know, one more day, two more days of rest to go into game seven. I can understand that, but also I got to live to see game seven. So can I get an inning out of him or two? Like he gave us last night, he gave you an inning that gets overlooked. It was just a shutdown inning. And all of a sudden the, uh, the Astros were able to come back and score some runs. So, I I don't know. I I think the way the game is being managed and played, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, does it really matter? I mean, guys are going to give you two or three innings, and then you're going to your bullpen. That's the thing is
0: I I think this all comes down to the bullpens, and welcome to baseball in 2021 for better or worse. That's how the game is played now is, yeah, you're going to start – Uh, Freed, for example, in game six, but if he struggles in the first two innings, he's out of there. Yeah. So yeah, they've got the advantage until they actually have to go up against the opposition's lineup. And the opposition puts together six hits in the first three innings. And now you're back to the bullpens again. So I don't really favor anybody in terms of the pitching matchup. Technically it should be the Braves way, but I've seen that in the first five games of this series and it hasn't gone according to plan. So I, I think at this point, Dan, I'm still going to favor the Braves, but it has everything to do with the fact that they've already won three games and the other teams won two. So it it really is that simple. It's simplistic analysis, but that's where we're at with these. It's, A very even series between two evenly matched teams.
1: And you got to give Dusty Baker credit for the lineup change yesterday. Correa moved up. Bregman moved down. Bregman was really having a tough uh, postseason run here. And maybe the key hit in the game and something that sparked not only him in Houston was to see him come through early with a clutch hit that brought in a run. And that's something to consider as well. So we do have a game number six, and we'll have that for you tomorrow on 101 ESPN, pregame beginning at 6 o'clock. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101
2: ESPN.
1: Great to have the chance to visit uh, with Barry Bloom. Been reading his work for a number of years. And uh, he has been at Forbes, MLB, Bloomberg, San Diego, uh, writing now with Sportico. And he had a really fascinating article about managers. And uh, is this a... um, Well, let's just put it this way not a very appealing job because of all the intricacies that happen now in 2021 moving forward in 2022. And he is covering the World Series. And Barry, thanks for hopping on here in St. Louis. We really appreciate it. Hey, great to be with you. You got it. Um, Let's ask you about that first, especially with what's happened here in St. Louis. So, new manager is in, Ali Marmol. But I want to ask you about the general thought. And I read your article, I thought it was fascinating. But just for our listeners, Why this may be a a very non-appealing job, to put it that way, if you're, now you get paid, but being a manager in Major League Baseball isn't all that it's cracked up to be.
2: Uh, You know, I just think that, you know, the interesting part of this World Series is that, you know, you have two contrasting styles in managers in uh, you know, Brian Snitker and Dusty Baker, who have both been around. Their paths have obviously been vastly different, but they've both been around for a long time. They've had to make adjustments, compromises to be able to to remain as managers. Uh it, it, The use of pitchers, analytics, the way game plans are dictated now, you know, they have to accommodate that. But I think they've reached a – uh a a meeting of the minds with their baseball ops that they don't have to do what's completely scripted for them. If they have to go off the script and make gut decisions during a game, like Snitker, you know, basically the other night when he decided to pull Anderson out uh, while he was throwing a no hitter after five innings at 76 pitches, you know, and and, and Snitker basically said it was his gut that, look, the guy's not going to finish a no hitter. He's going to uh, he, he he's going to back out on pitches anyway, and it just was my feeling that he gave me everything, and I just felt in my gut it was time to take him out. In other situations, you know, you characterize it with you know Dave Roberts in LA, uh, Aaron Boone somewhat in New York, uh, you know maybe a little different now with Bob Melvin taking over. Uh, in San Diego with J.J. Preller, although, you know, he worked for the mastermind of all this for 11 years and Billy Bean in Oakland. There's no more guy or GM who's more intrusive than Billy. Uh, but these guys, basically, they, they sit down in a meeting. They have multiple meetings. The, the manager has a voice at the table. Uh, you know, if they, baseball ops tells him this is what you need to do. Uh, this is what you're going to do today. This is how you're going to use these reliever, relievers. This is when you're going to be, insert these pinch hitters. Uh, you know, this is the batting order, and, and they have analytic elements to be able to back it up. Then essentially, you're strapping the manager's ability to do what you're, what he needs to do in the dugout. And you know what what he has to do is then he's got to sell the players on it. He's got to sell the media on it because certainly the general managers don't come down and talk to the media on a day-to-day basis about what they're doing. And so when it goes wrong, then you really have to explain it, and you really have to back up your bosses. And if you don't, you get into a lot of trouble. And I'm just guessing, you know, I don't have any full you know, firsthand knowledge because I was not covering the Cardinals. The only time I saw the Cardinals this year was in was in the wildcard game in Los Angeles. Uh, my guess is that, you know there was a philosophical differences, quote unquote, that you know Moselak and Still didn't want to, uh, you know he didn't want to implement some of the things he was doing, or he was told to do, and so you know now Moselak has a guy right now who's who a young manager who's going to do it, and that that's what he wants. So managing becomes a middle management job, and you're stuck between all the different forces and at times while you're trying to defend it and protect your bosses you're you know you're losing your credibility with the players in the media so
0: barry when you look at what the job has become nowadays what are the qualities that would make a good manager like are we talking more about the interpersonal communication style of things is that the most important quality now for a manager given what the job description is
2: well i don't think there's any doubt about that i mean the one thing anybody has even with all this is that you know you have to recognize that the human element plays into it somewhere and that, like I tell all my friends and look I'm 70 years old I've been covering baseball this is my 46th season this is my 42nd World Series so I've run the gamut with this and I'm not a guy who's particularly wit- wit- to, 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 to to tradition in baseball or any sport and I really feel that There are things that can be done to make everything better. There's a lot of things that can be done right now to make baseball better. And I find that with the analytical nature of the game now, it's a much more interesting sport to cover because you're always wondering what the advanced metrics are that they're using to make moves because you're not privy to that information. And if you don't get a chance to ask, then you really don't learn. But I I think it's a more interesting game today. But certainly what I tell my analytical friends who don't care about human input is that, you know, the guy who had a fight with his wife has a bad arm that you don't know about, you know, caught his finger in a kitchen drawer and is playing with it, is a little sick. All of that is what makes up the numbers that you're crunching. Those are your numbers. You know, if without that human element, there's no way that you'd have the, the input and the production and the numbers. So I think as a manager, your main attribute is what guys like, you know, like Snicker, and Dusty and, you know, Bruce Bochy, who's out of it right now, Tony La Russa came back in. You know, they understand that, uh, you know, there's a lot of information out there and the information can be used wisely. Mike Socia was another one who adapted to it as, as time went on. It's like you're, what you have is dealing with the players and getting the most out of the players. Torrey Lovello in, in Arizona is another good example. He's a great guy who knows how to deal with people. And, and that's the major attribute when you're trying to implement all those things. So if you don't have that, I think then you're really in a lot of trouble.
1: Barry Bloom is our guest uh, we've seen that uh, the, the games are going very long and I, I love what you say it's a more interesting game I, I happen to agree with that and I look forward then in the CBA and I say okay to maybe you know shorten games to make it more entertaining even though it might be more interesting let's make it more entertaining for the fan uh, there's got to be some changes potentially moving forward what, do, what are you hearing about that?
2: Well, I mean, you know, right now in the Arizona Fall League, you know, they're testing and they've tested some of this stuff in the minors. I mean, they've been testing the pitch clock for years. You know, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, you get the ball, you go to your, you know, stretch or your windup, and, and and once you're, you're ready on the mound, you know, you have 15 seconds to deliver the ball. And, you know, as much as, you know, I love the Japanese pitchers, you know, Otani, Darvish, domo we've been going back I mean they're all hard to watch because they take an inordinate time on the mat. I mean I time Otani at times, and it takes them forty seconds to get off a pitch so i mean I think if you can't get the pitchers to to basically adjust it themselves and it doesn't seem like you can then you need the the, the clock with a uh you know with with, with a penalty of if you miss it, it's a ball, and and I've watched it at the minor league, and I've watched it at the fall league level. They've used that clock for a while there. Now it's 15 seconds. They use 20, and the pitchers adapt to it. And you know, you have games that are two hours and a half. You know, game does not need to be like last night. You're playing a nine inning game. It's a four hour game. You don't need a four hour game. There are too many four hour games now in the in the postseason. You know, during the regular season, I think they averaged about three hours and ten minutes, which was way up from a couple of years ago. Uh, and a lot of it is pitching changes. You know, when you're constantly going to the bullpen, you're constantly going to the mound, you're constantly bringing in a new pitcher. All that takes time as the new pitcher warms up and gets ready to pitch. You know, I don't think the three batter rule without a limit on, on pitchers on the roster uh, has really had an impact. And if you remember before COVID, you know they were going to limit. It was a 25-man roster then, and they were going to limit the amount of pitchers on their staff to 12. Uh, and I think next year you're going to go with. you are going to get 12 out of the 26, and that's and that's going to be it. Plus, it's going to give a manager more more movement on the and a lot of flexibility on the bench. You can go back to left-handed specialist hitters, you know, against against a righty pitcher because you'll have those guys on the bench. You're not going to have three guys on the bench. You'll have to be multiple faceted players who can play infield, outfield, catch at times, hit against everybody because you only have three guys on the bench plus your catcher. You know, it's a – I laugh when – you know, because I'm a big big proponent and have been for years of – you know, let's get the designated hitter into the National League. I'm tired of watching pitchers who haven't hit since they were playing junior high school ball try to hit in the major leagues. And I'm writing a story that's going to be posted today where Schulte says that. I mean, not Schulte, uh, Snitker says that. And so it's like, you know, I think the combination of limiting the amount of pitchers on the roster, uh, you know, the the shot, the, the pitch clock, uh, you know, and 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 the electronic tra- strike zone, which looks like it's coming, I think all of that's going to quicken the pace of the game.
1: Hey, Barry, we know you got to catch a flight. You're going to Houston for Game Six. Uh, thanks for carving out some time for us this morning. Appreciate your work, and uh, hopefully, we'll catch up soon.
2: Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for all the kind words. I really appreciate it.
1: You got it. That's uh, Barry Bloom, and uh, Barry's been writing for a long, long time. I wanted to get into. We ran out of time because he's got to go catch a flight. One of the things he's really good on is the uh, the business of baseball, and with you know that final out, whether it's game six or game seven, the minute that that happens, you know what you're going to have some free agents coming up, and then you're going to have the talk of the CBA, which you know fans don't really want to hear about it, and hopefully it gets resolved sooner than later. But he's really good on that BK. But right now, now that we're going kind of at the end here and game six you know i thought they were gonna wrap it up yeah i've started thinking about the cba yeah, same and i don't want to do that
0: it sucks because the more that we're hearing now as everybody's kind of gathered you know how this works dan you've been a part of this once you get to the world series everybody's there and that includes the commissioner that includes the mlbpa president or uh that includes A lot of agents. There's a lot of people that are walking around. kind of like the winter
1: meetings almost.
0: Absolutely. And so you've got a lot of sources, quote unquote, that will be available to people in the media. And some of the stories that have been starting to come out over the last week or so are, hey, be prepared. It might be a long winter.
1: Yeah, I've heard that, too. Although I haven't heard, like, the infighting inside baseball like we heard during um the covid shortened season just to get to that opening day that that got Mm -hmm. nasty haven't heard that now that's not to say we're not going to because that deadline is going to come very very soon it's um now just what a month away december 1st is when the uh, agreement ends and um and that's what i don't like because that'll turn fans off especially with what we've all been through in the last couple of years and if you're a baseball fan or even just the casual sports fan and and check out a game here or there, you don't want to hear about the money side of it. You don't want to hear about the infighting. You don't want to hear about nasty things coming out. You want to hear about, hey, Corey Seager's a free agent and the Cardinals are interested and the Dodgers are trying to bring him back. And, oh, by the way, the Cardinals signed this guy. and. You know, there's excitement to and it. And of all off seasons to have this, this one, yep. when you've got all these stud shortstops available, you're
0: coming off of a postseason where even guys like Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson and Kyle Schwarber, they became stars again on a national stage, and they could use this as as their availability towards free agency. And it's like, oh, okay, my team just signed Jock Peterson. Hey, I I saw him in the in the playoffs. He was great. That that's exciting. And now you're just taking that away from fans, potentially. Now, they haven't done that yet, so I'll slow my roll a little bit. But that's my fear, is you have so much momentum going into the offseason, and then, boom,
1: it's cratered. What do you think about this? Do you think? Uh, I'm fascinated by this. I wonder if there's kind of like a gentleman's agreement to where, hey, until there's a, uh, a CBA in place, all business essentially with free agency is shuttered. Yeah. Or... Is that like, no, that's not That's not even an issue. And where some teams will say, hey, we got two or three weeks to make hay. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's go ahead and get our team assembled. Let's go out and make some major moves potentially, um, or at least make these offers before December 1st, before it's all shut down in terms of, of the business side of it. Because if you don't, you could, and let's just say, and I, I've read some of the articles you have read. Let's just say that... Um, and I've heard that it could, you know, drag into spring training yeah. and then all of a sudden... Delay that a little bit. Right. You, you delay that and then it becomes a mad scramble to to get free agency going and guys are just signing right and left. I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. I have not heard that question. I would love to ask, like, you know, somebody in the Cardinals front office or any front office, hey, is uh, are you open for business? Are you going to go for it? And get your team ready so that when they say, hey, it's go time, you're you're pretty much ready to go or... Are you going to wait and see what the landscape financially looks like for what teams are, are doing? I would assume, BK, that teams already know their budgets. I mean, they, they've got a pretty good idea. Let's assume that you're going to have a full season. You're at full capacity. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, all that stuff. And then everything's a go. So you, you got an idea. And obviously, you have an idea of where you want to improve. So do you just go ahead and start doing it immediately when free agency opens? Or do you say, no, as a sport, we're kind of gentlemen's agreement we're, we're not doing this until everything is set in stone and we know what we have with the cba i, I don't know the answer
0: i think there's two potential risks in doing so but i think there are some teams that can make it worth it for them so for example the tigers they've been connected with carlos correa there's sure. really very little risk for them they're not going over the um the the luxury tax threshold by signing carlos correa They've got a lot of young guys that are under cost-controlled, team-friendly deals. So they're in a good spot where, hey, if we want to go out there and we want to pick off, like we've got four or five guys that we know we want this offseason. It makes a lot of sense for them to be able to do so. And they've already got the designated hitter, so they don't have to worry about that changing on them as well. Whereas if you're a team in the National League, like the Dodgers or the Padres, where you do have to worry a little bit about that luxury tax threshold and where that's going to be going into next season... That might change things for you if you're in the National League and you've got to determine, okay, are we for sure going to have the designated hitter? Do we just think we're going to have the designated hitter? Are there going to be limits on the number of pitchers that are available to us on our roster? Those are things that could legitimately change what you decide to do over the course of the offseason. I don't think it changes whether or not you're interested in Trevor Story for the Cardinals, but it might change what is the importance of a Trevor Story versus a Kyle Schwarber. And when you take into account the money that you're going to be paying both, what does that look like? So I, I think there are some risks, and I think there are certain teams that might be better set up to be able to exploit that than others. The Tigers would be one that immediately comes to mind. It's my a frame. good
1: example. Yeah, I mean, to me, A.J. Hench, they've got a connection there with Carlos Correa. Correa, by the way, to his own admission, is very analytically driven. Mm -hmm. Like He really studies the numbers. They're an analytically driven club. They have young players that are coming up ready to graduate to the major leagues. They were surprised this year how well they played. Cardinals saw that firsthand. They're not that far away to being really good, really good. And Carlos
0: has said publicly, I'm going to use some of those numbers that are behind the scenes. I'm going to use some of them to determine which team makes the most sense for me. So that'll be
1: interesting as well. All right, let me ask you this question. Please. Before um, we go to a timeout, does Major League Baseball have a pace of play issue in the postseason or is it just playoff baseball? What do you think?
0: You want to get into this now or on the other no, side? No,
1: I, I Just a real quick answer, and then yep. we're going to get into it on the other side. And I'm curious on the texters if they think, like, this is, this is taking way too long. Or if you're a baseball fan, you're like, hey, man, this is really, like Barry Bloom said, this is really interesting to see how they're going to use their bullpen.
0: It's both, but to me, the biggest issue that baseball has in the postseason, and more specifically in the World Series, is the commercial breaks. Okay. We're talk about what's going wrong here. Let's limit the commercial breaks. But you know what they're not going to do? Limit the commercial breaks. No,
1: that's a <laughs> lot of money there. All yep. right, we'll do that when we come back on 101 ESPN. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of The Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. are giving me betting advice. I love it. We're winning money, baby. I love it, Tanner. That's why. Let's check Tanner's picks from
0: last Uh-oh. week. Oh, one and two. Let's check BK's picks. Oh, that's a three and zero. Oh. All a right, right. Now now let's do the right overall there. standings. Oh, we don't have to talk about that, <laughs> Dean. What, you wanted to talk about pace of play,
1: my friend. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, this was kind of funny. Uh, the three one four Get a lot of texts here. Does anyone see the irony of whining about commercial breaks as you go to a commercial break? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, that's a good point. I uh, got to pay the bills. That's right. So I wonder though if you could do it kind of like. Um, NFL has done this a little bit, and certainly I watch a ton of golf. Golf does it all the time. Soccer the, is a yeah, big one that does it. Kind of the so picture. Yeah, just the picture in picture, and, you know, away you go. Um, I think that's something that would be advantageous to look at. I don't know the numbers on this, BK, but, I mean, for instance, let's say you tape a game, like you DVR a game, and what are you going to do? You're going to shuttle through the, the commercial breaks where I find myself if I'm watching – I tape a you know round three of the PGA or something, and I want to watch it, and I'm watching it back. I'm watching it through, even if they go to a commercial break. But a lot of the commercial breaks are done, and I'm still seeing guys in action, and they're going shot to shot. There's some kind of graphic. I don't, I don't see that that being a problem, especially if there's a pace of play problem. And like Barry mentioned, Otani taking 40 seconds between pitches. That's way, way too long. I'm in favor of a pitch clock. I, I think it needs to be instituted. I understand where players, like pitchers specifically, would say, now, wait a minute, I throw 100, and I'm trying to catch my breath, and this is how I make a living, and this is why they pay me the big bucks. And if I'm trying to catch my breath and I can't throw 100, now I'm throwing 97, I'm getting hit. I get it. Always follow the money. But I do think that there's something that needs to be done. For instance, and I'm going to counter myself with this, but let me give you some numbers here. So the average length of a major league game set another record this year in the regular season. It was three hours and 10 minutes. Postseason average length of game has been 340. Take away the extra time from extra commercials, 326. This postseason, we've seen 11 games last at least three and a half hours and four have gone four hours. The World Series games, by the way, have been at 341. So you're, you're going to have some people that say, hey, this is baseball in 2021 and beyond, and I just love the sport, so so be it. And I understand that, too. And as a broadcaster of the game, I when I'm in the middle of a game, I'm not going to bring up, at least I try not to, boy, this game's taking forever, because then I'm just telling you, to, to this. I'm basically saying, hey, this is boring, don't watch this. Mm-hmm. So maybe we need to look at it in a way of what makes this interesting, what makes this different, and accept it, or the flip side of it is to say... This isn't acceptable, and we need to get this thing moving a little bit better. I've never really had a problem with the length of the game. I have the problem of the action inside the game. So if it takes four hours, no problem, but let's get some action in it. And watching guys stand around 40 seconds between pitches is not action. That's the biggest problem I have. Not necessarily the length. But what's happening inside the game?
0: Well, it's like last night's game. Why was it long? Because there were 20 hits over the course of the game. The other problem is there were another eight walks. So you had a bunch of runners on base. You had a bunch of pitching changes. Uh, Your starters on both sides went a combined four and two-thirds innings. So, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of stoppages over the course of the game. That's what you sign up for when you're watching baseball. The problem, though, is there were also moments in that game where it was like, oh, my God, how long are we going to wait for Phil Mayton to come out here and throw his next pitch? It was like 40 seconds consistently, Dan. I timed it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I timed it at one point, and I was like, this is ridiculous. He is just taking forever between every single one of these pitches. And he's the type of guy that baseball has a problem with. So most of them, I don't even notice it, and I, I am rare to complain about the pace of play. I think overall, it's kind of been overstated how how much of an issue that is for baseball. I bet but if last you rolled back watching though, him, it would be, it was a problem.
1: I bet if you rolled back a show that we did this time last year and the year before, we were talking about pace of play. But it I try comes not up to every year. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd, I'd rather talk about what's happening in there, but I do think a quick fix with this is a pitch clock. And it happens to work in the lower levels, apparently, than the people I talked to when they instituted some of this and the different rule changes in the minor leagues. And certainly at the Arizona Fall League, with guys that are right on the cusp of of being major leaguers, there was no issue. Like, guys just got used to it. I always say the players adjust. Like, they're the best in the world at what they do. So you got a bad strike zone with a guy some night, they adjust to that strike zone. Now, sometimes it gets magnified because the strike zone will change as the game changes, and so players are trying to adjust one way or another, but they make the adjustments. So I do think that the pitch clock is something that you have to look at. I also do think a few years ago was a major point of emphasis. Okay, we're going to speed up games, and batters aren't allowed to step out of the box. Okay, well, they would get a note at their their. A, a stall inside the uh, clubhouse and it said okay this is a, a letter from the commissioner's office saying you know you've been warned and then you got warned twice and remember if if the ball was if there wasn't a foul ball if there wasn't like a wild pitch or some type of play um, you had to stay in the box you could put one foot one foot had to be in but you could put one foot out look down at your third base coach and then get back in instead of having a guy always stepping out adjusting mm-hmm. the you know the batting gloves and that kind of thing there was a problem with that though BK when guys would do that you had some guy making 18 million dollars a year and the third time he got warned he got fined, you know, whatever it was, 500 bucks. Okay, I'm I'm willing to, to pay that because I'm going to stay in my routine and this has helped me make 18 million dollars a year. If he steps out and and that warning comes, it's real it's real quick. The home plate umpire just says strike 2. Yep. And with the uh, the pitcher on the mound, ball 2. You know, you get a ball charged against you. That's how it works. I mean, if you those are
0: real consequences that actually have meaning inside of the game. And that's what you've got to do. The only concern there, Dan, of course, is, okay, are we now allowing a little bit too much leeway for the home plate umpire? Like, what is the point at which uh, the batter has taken a little too long? He's taken too many steps outside of the box. And that's something that I do have a little bit of concern about. But that's a better issue, and it will show up less often than what we're
1: watching right now. And I think, though, if you had a pitch clock, that takes care of it because he's on the mound ready to go. And so he's got to be, you know, he's forced in a way to go ahead and make that pitch. So it's interesting on the text line here. Some of the people are saying, you know, I'm a casual fan. If the Cardinals are in it, obviously I would stay through a three hour and 40 minute game. But as a casual fan, I'm out just too long. I understand that. Um, and I, I like get this that one, Dan from
0: the three, one, four. If I'm watching a game and
1: saying, get on with
0: this game or get back to the game, then that's where the real problem takes place. And I'm with him on who him or her, whoever this listener is on that suggestion as well. Most of the time when I'm watching baseball in the postseason, there's enough packed in to where I'm still at the edge of my seat between every single pitch. Like I still like watching playoff ga- baseball. I've been enjoying watching the most, uh, the majority of this world series. But there are still certain moments, even for me as somebody that loves it, where I'm like, oh, this is brutal. And last night was one of those nights late in the innings where it's like every single pitch we got to take 40 seconds in between. That 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 seems when I get to the point where I'm actually going to time you, that's when I know it's gone a step too far. And that's what's got to be corrected.
1: You think we ever see a complete game again in a World Series? I mean, I guess you get it if a guy is just incredibly efficient and he's got the track record of being awesome and he looks awesome that night and the manager just says look hey forget the analytics i'm i'm rolling this guy out I mean, you never say never, but man, oh man, th- those are those days are long, long gone.
0: I think the other part is the playoffs are just so grueling now. And, like and so every... that's the
1: hasn't that taught you though in the last handful of years that you really cannot have enough pitching?
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. If I'm if I'm learning any lesson from this this World Series right now, I mean, look at the guys that they're throwing out there. Yes, half of these your casual baseball fans have never heard of. Probably eighty percent of the pitchers that they're they're watching in these games right now. And so that's why, as I look towards the offseason for the Cardinals, like those high price relievers, I have no interest in any of them right now for the Cardinals. None, because it's not those guys that are really taking this uh, this postseason by storm. It's guys you've never heard of. It's the T.J. McFarlane's and the Luis Garcia's go sign like 10 of them for the price of one of those high price guys. And let's see where the chips fall over the
1: course sure. of the regular season. Yeah, I'm. I'm- kind of with you attack it with numbers and I do it with starting pitching too absolutely go go get uh, the bargain basement guy that you something stands out on his analytics that attracts you strikes and that's what I would do I would just bring him in and say okay I'm gonna battle it out and see where we go
0: the other thing is Dan look at all like half of the starters that signed last offseason are now coming out of relief I mean, Drew Smiley signed an $11 million contract with the Braves last year, and he is a reliever for them in yes. the in the
1: postseason. And he was awful at the beginning of the season. He's given up a ton of home runs. Did Gingko not look DeRizzi. good last night. Remember when
0: we all wanted Jake yep. Odorizzi? And now he's a reliever for the Astros in the postseason, and they have no starters, and he still can't get a start for them. So I, I'm not going that route most likely, unless it's like a legit veteran starter that they just feel like they can't do without. Give me guys on the cheap and just sign a bunch of them.
1: If you're an Atlanta sports fan, are you going, uh-oh, this morning, here we go again. They had the great run and they won one World Series. And it's you not had the just su- that. It's everything. The Super Bowl everything. against the, Pat, uh, the, the Pats that you should have won. What was it, 28 to 3? Mm-hmm. You're up or whatever and you lose that. And now you get a grand slam in the first inning. The place is going nuts. The numbers bear out by a wide margin. You're going to win that game and you don't. I think it was eighty-five percent at that point in time. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And now you're going
0: back to Houston. Yeah. Where they hit the ball like crazy. Yeah. And, and anything can happen. Weird stuff happens yep. at that ballpark. So yeah. I mean, it's if you're if you're a Braves fan today, I can't imagine you're feeling great about where you're at in the series.
1: That's BK. I'm Danny Mac. We'll cross it over next on 101 ESPN. Cramming more St. Louis sports talk into your brain. It's the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. All right, let's cross it over, and we brought him back in the studio, and that's BK, who never left. and How much sh- so far away to him? <laughs> his show's coming up. Uh, Alex will be here. Big uh, weekend for the Blues as they beat the Blackhawks. Blues off to a great start. They are 6-1. and one. Hit again, though, with COVID is um, Valey Huso is on the COVID list. Brandon Saad just returned from the COVID list. Riley's uh, ex- still out. Yeah, expected to play the, on this trip, and it's a trip that takes him really – this is weird for me correct me if i'm wrong so they're in la on wednesday Mm -hmm. san jose thursday anaheim on sunday sunday okay and then they go to winnipeg on tuesday that's not easy usually you like to do the la anaheim thing right there it's just a quick bus drive and then you know you settle in and it's back to back and you're done with that little portion of the swing and then you go up north to san jose and so, you got to go Southern California, Northern California, back to Southern California, then to Winnipeg. I think they'll figure it out. I think
0: they'll be A-OK. I don't um, know. They're without their best goalie in Huso. Oh, okay.
1: Get out of here. Enough of that.
0: I am curious to see what they do on the back-to-back because. Hold it, on. What, what did you just say? Oh, I love Huso.
1: I'm a Huso fan. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been watching Jordan Bennington?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's fine. You Shut see out, Huso? He had a shutout. Shut out one game, one shutout. That's a thousand save percentage. Bennington just had a shutout on Saturday. Yeah, but his save percentage is—they got two shutouts, you know, one apiece in seven games above uh, Husos as well. Okay, I'm very curious to see what they do on Wednesday and Thursday with the back to back. Because if Husay was available, Huso rather was available, it's pretty easy. You start him on Thursday against San Jose, and on the following Sunday when you're going up against Anaheim, maybe you just leave Bennington in L.A. He just hangs out out there, and he's able to to do his thing. But now you're calling up a guy from the AHL and Hofer, that that's his last name? I thought there was an N. There's
1: he's one of their opener. top prospects. I do know that. Yeah. And he's played well. but I, yet- I don't
0: know if they're going to go to him or not. And you might end up having to go back-to-back back with Bennington, which he's a pro. He could do it if he needs to. But I'm going to be interested to see what they decide to do on that.
1: Yeah. All right. You've got your show coming up with... Uh... The one and great uh, Alex Ferraro has been the doing an uh, awesome job on the intermissions and the pregame and the postgame on the radio side. So what do you guys have coming up? Yeah, looking forward to it. So we will
0: have David Paniata coming up at one o'clock. He is a host and analyst for Sirius XM NHL. I want to get his thoughts on the blue situation and the NHL as a whole. Really, everybody's Hit seemingly with dealing with COVID right now. So we'll get his thoughts on that coming up at one o'clock. We'll get things started with Jordan Bennington, who I criticized on Friday, Dan. I didn't love all of the antics that we saw on Thursday night he put a spotlight on himself and he showed out in a big big way on saturday
2: peloton let's go this holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors we're gonna pick it up a notch it's the holiday season you might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes from running to cycling to yoga try peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial